in every season you're facing, every day in your life, you're walking, a su- you're living a supernatural life. So remember that, but let me keep reading. It says, this took place so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. Tell daughter Zion, look, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus directed him. They brought the donkey and the colt and they laid their robes on them and he sat on them. A large crowd spread their robes on the road. Others were cutting palm branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Then the crowds who went ahead of him and those who kept followed kept shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. He who comes in the name of the Lord is the blessed one. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was shaken. And they were saying, who is this? And the crowds kept saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. I want to tell you something. Jesus entered Jerusalem triumphantly. He died on a cross triumphantly. He rose from the dead triumphantly. Everything he did was victorious and triumphant. And he's alive today and he's alive in you. And everything you face today is victorious. Everything, every situation you're facing, you're facing it from a place of triumph. And so this morning, join with me as we pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this Palm Sunday. Lord, that we don't look at it from, a, from the natural. In the natural, I'm looking here at an empty room. But Lord, I know that there are countless people around this world, maybe in their homes or wherever they're at this morning, worshiping you, glorifying the name of Jesus, shouting Hosanna to the name of Jesus. And Lord, we lift up the name of Jesus today in this place. We lift up the name of Jesus in our homes today. Lord, around this world, people are lifting up the name of Jesus. Lord, you are triumphant and you're still triumphant. And we thank you today that we're triumphant. And so I want you this morning, right where you at, right where you are, just begin to to shout Hosanna to the name of Jesus. Lord, Hosanna, Hosanna, we lift up your name, Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, for who you are. And I thank you for what you're doing in our lives this day. I thank you, Lord, that we get to worship you and to exalt your name this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Somebody say amen. Type amen if you're there with us. Hey, let me ask you, do us a favor this morning. We've got a special message that we want to share with you. This is an important message, and I feel like it's a it's a, a message that we need at this moment. Sometimes there's messages that are good all the time. This is a message we need, especially in this season we're in. I want you to take a minute, share this with somebody. If you're on Facebook or something, just hit the share button and let people know, because this is a word people need to hear this morning. Amen. We're going to worship for a little bit this morning, and I've got we're going to do something a little bit different, so just hang with us, uh, but let's worship together and lift up the name of Jesus. Amen. Don't just, hey, don't just watch. You participate. You, you, right where you're at, you sing and worship the name of Jesus. Okay, come on, let's do that together. I want to say something right now. I feel like the Lord is is wanting us to understand what it means to be completely dependent on Him. He's wanting us to understand what it means to not be trusting in the world, to be trusting in Him. 
he wants us to learn some things. There's some things that are really just burning in my heart that I want to share with you, but I, I want to say this. This morning, and we're going to, again, come back to worship, but as part of our worship, I want to encourage you to give. Now, I want to just say, I want to say something. I want to say thank you because our church has been incredibly generous this, this past month, incredibly generous. You guys have been sowing. We have, and I've been speaking this, that in this, in this season, we're not going to have any lack. We're going to have an abundance. And that's going to continue. We're not going to have any lack, but the Lord's going to provide for us supernaturally. And you guys have been just so faithful to continue giving, and I want to say thank you. But as part of our worship, I'm not saying this because, I, because we have a need. We don't, we don't have any needs. I'm saying it because I want you to understand something. The Lord wants us to not be trusting in the world. The only way you can get to a place where you're not trusting in the world for provision is get to a place where you're trusting solely in God, solely in God alone. You can still give in this season, but I want you to understand something. It's your giving that's what you're doing is sowing a seed. So if you don't sow any seed, you're not, gonna, you're not gonna see a harvest in your life. If you're out of work, you can still sow a seed, okay? If you're, if you're, if you're in a financial difficulty, you can still sow a seed. If you're feeling sick, you can still sow a seed. You sow seeds lots of ways. One of the ways we do it is by giving. Some people have said, well, maybe we shouldn't be taking offerings right now. No, we're, we're taking the offering not because we have a need, but because we want you to sow a seed. Because when you sow a seed, you're going to reap a harvest. And so I want you to understand that this morning. That's all I'm going to say about it. But I want, you to, I want you to catch this heart of God not to not be dependent on the world for anything in your life. Don't be dependent on the world for anything in your life. You look to Jesus. This morning, if you need a miracle in your body, don't, I mean, doctors are great. God bless the doctors and the nurses and everybody who's serving right now. We, we applaud you. We thank you for your service. You know, and, and there's nothing wrong with going to those people. But our source is God alone. He's our healer. He's our provider. He's the one that, that meets every need that we have in our lives. And so I want to just pray for you right now. As you, as you sow, as you believe God, as you trust God, maybe you're in a situation right now where you say, I need a miracle. Sow your seed and God's gonna, God's gonna bless you abundantly, pressed down, shaken together, and running over are men gonna give into your, into your laps. And so let me pray for you right now. If you, if you have an offering or you, you gave online or something, just, just agree with me. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for supernatural provision. I thank you for supernatural miracles to manifest in the lives of each person watching today. Lord, this is a principle that you want us to get a hold of, not so that, not so that our church can have our needs met. We, we have our needs met through you and through you alone. But Lord, I thank you that as each person gives, Lord, they're, they're gonna be blessed in the name of Jesus. They're sowing a seed today, and I thank you, Lord, that they're gonna reap a harvest in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And right now, I wanna pray for you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray at the end too, but I wanna pray for you right now. If you need a touch from God in your life, so many times we have a, a time where people come to the front of the room and, and receive prayer. Let me just tell you, if you're watching this morning and you have a need in your life, a, a, a physical need right now, God is right where you are. 
Jesus is right where you are. You don't have to come into this building to receive anything from Jesus. You can receive right now. And I want you, as I, as I pray, I want you, if you have a need in your body, touch the part of your body that, that is feeling sick. If it's your lungs, put your hand on your lungs or your chest. If it's your arm or something, touch, touch that part of your body as just a point of contact. And when you touch it, it's just like Jesus is touching it because he lives in you. If Jesus lives in you and he, and he touches something, hey, if Jesus touched you, you're healed. So you receive your healing this morning. So touch that thing and agree with me, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we release the healing power, the healing virtue to flow through every body, to, to meet every need. Lord, we thank you that our needs are met because of your riches and glory. You don't have any lack of healing miracles in heaven. There is no lack. I thank you even, Lord, today for, for supernatural power to flow through each person. Lord, I thank you that they are gonna manifest in their bodies supernatural healing right now. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're watching right now and you've got, you've got a need, I, I believe somebody's watching and you've got a problem in your, in your head. I'm feeling something like, I don't know, your, your eye, your right eye, or in, in, and even down into part of your jaw and things right here. There's something, there's something wrong. I don't know what it is, but right now, just put your hand on that thing. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we declare healing virtue to flow through that body right now. Somebody else, you got trouble with your, your back. I feel like right in your lower back is where it is. Just put your hand right on that low back. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke that spirit of infirmity. We command you to go in the name of Jesus right now. Be healed. I want you right now. Just begin, to, just begin to move that thing, begin to agree together for your healing. If God touched you today in some way, send us a message, let us know, because we want to rejoice with you. God bless you. We're going to keep worshiping now, so keep worshiping the Lord with us. something important I wanted to share with you so I asked the worship team because I, I because of what I want to talk about I asked them just to let's do part of the worship in the beginning and part at the end so we're going to come back in a few minutes and worship so don't get mad at me um, for cutting your worship short you can always go back and watch that part again okay um, praise the Lord but I'm glad that you're here with us this morning thanks for joining us and um, being part of what God's doing. I want you, if you have a, your Bible handy, go to Acts chapter 16. And I want to share something this morning. I feel like this is a, a word again. This is for us in this, um, this season that we're in. And, you know, we're in a, we're in a season where there's a, a lot of fear, uneasiness, um, unrest, and I feel the Lord saying, when you don't like the atmosphere, just change it. Just change it. It's that simple. You know, you ever been to a restaurant um, early, like early, the early bird special. I, we always get the early bird special. I don't know why we're like 85 years old, I guess. And we go into the restaurant early and sometimes we're in there and as we're in there, they'll turn the lights down and we look around, what's going on? Oh, they're, they're setting the atmosphere. They're getting ready for the dinner crowd and they want a different atmosphere. So what they recognize is in that place, they're responsible for the atmosphere. And listen, 
You're responsible for the atmosphere in your home, in your life, in your heart. You're, you set the atmosphere. You know, when you come into your home, if you have a, 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 a thing on the wall, it's your thermostat, you're responsible for the atmosphere in your home. You can walk into your home and push a button. It can be freezing outside and you push a button and you're comfortable on the inside. You know, whatever's going on, the storm can be coming through, the blizzard can be coming through, but you're comfortable, aren't you? You're comfortable because you've set your thermostat. So I wanna talk to you today about how to change your atmosphere. Because some of you, maybe, maybe you're in your home today and you're feeling what everybody's feeling on the outside. You're turning on the news and you're feeling, man, you're feeling the, the nervousness. You're feeling the anxiety. You're feeling the, when is this gonna end? When are my kids gonna go back to school? You're feeling all of this stuff. But listen, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that the world can be going crazy on the outside, but you set the atmosphere in your home and in your life. And so I wanna to talk to you about this, how to, how to change the atmosphere. I sent out a letter this week and maybe you got that. And um, so you know where I'm going. Um, but I wanna look at the story, Acts chapter 16. In verse 16, there's a story about Paul and Silas, a familiar story. You know this story, don't you? Um, amen. And um, Paul and Silas have been sent along with the other people that were traveling with Paul are sent to Macedonia. The Lord gives them a vision. Hey, go to Macedonia and preach. And so they get to, they get to this place called Philippi. It says it's a leading city in the district of Macedonia. So remember this, they're exactly in the will of God. In this story, they are perfectly in the will of God. And so they get to verse 16 here. He says, once we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit of prediction. She was demon-possessed and would tell people's futures, you know? And she made a large profit for her owners by fortune-telling. As she followed Paul and us, she cried out, these men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are slaves or servants of the Most High God. And she did this for many days. For many days, this girl's following Paul around and listen she's not becoming a disciple she's demon possessed okay she's doing what demons do and that's aggravating and it's it's frustrating and it's trying to trying to destroy what god's trying to do so she's following them around mocking she's mocking the word of god she's mocking these servants of god because people when they heard this slave girl following them around they would probably snicker they would probably laugh all this, you know, because they, they knew who this girl was and they knew what these guys were claiming to be, but they didn't see the power. They just saw the, uh, that's just, you know, they just were, they were mocking. But after many days, Paul was greatly aggravated. He got great, greatly aggravated. And he turned to the spirit and look what he says. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her and it came out right away. Now something happened that made everybody recognize this demon came out of this girl because all of these guys are standing around. These guys, people own this girl. They were using this girl and using this, this demon for profit. And when Paul spoke those words, they recognized power. They recognized something happened because there was a change in the atmosphere. 
there was a change in this girl and they recognized something that, that God had done something. Because they're looking at her and saying, we're, we're not gonna make any money anymore because this girl has lost her, her spirit. She's, this demon's gone. And they recognized that she was probably knocked flat on her rear end, sitting there looking around, wondering what was going on. What just happened? And they recognized they couldn't make any more money from her. So here we go. Verse 19, when her owners saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace. They brought them to the magistrates. They said, these men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews and are promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt or practice. So the mob joins in the attack. Look what happens. The chief magistrate strips off their clothes and orders them beaten with rods. Now listen, they're in the will of God. They're manifesting the power of God. God's working through them. They're going around preaching. They're going around planting churches. And this is what happens. They get beaten with rods. They've got their clothes stripped off them, embarrassed in front of everybody, beaten with rods. And I don't know what that must have felt like, but I bet it wasn't any good. You know, because we read later in the story that they're bleeding, their bodies are broken. They're in, I mean, they're in distress. This is, this is a serious beating. And then after they inflicted many blows on them, they threw them in jail ordering the jailer to keep them some securely guarded. Receiving such an order, he put them in the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. Now look at verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. I want you to catch something. We're gonna talk about the rest of the story in a minute, but I want you to catch something this morning. In the middle of... The prison, it's a, it's a crowded place. There's a lot of prisoners in there. It's a small place. It's a small, crowded, probably cold place. It's down in the ground. It's kind of like a dungeon. I've seen pictures of where they think it was, and it's not a, it wasn't a nice-looking place. And they had them chained up. Everybody that was in there chained up, hands and feet. You're sitting on the ground. Paul and Silas are both bleeding, broken, in a bad shape uncomfortable. They don't, maybe they didn't get their clothes back. Maybe they're sitting there cold, shaking, midnight, and here they are. What are they doing? In the middle of all that stuff that's going on around them or even to them, they're praying and singing to God. It gives you some perspective, doesn't it? You know, um, they're uncomfortable. They're praising. They're, they're bloody and they're praying. You know, look at their attitudes. See, you, you control the atmosphere with your attitude. You do. You control, type amen for me. Are you guys still out there? You haven't, don't go back to bed, okay? If you're, if you're listening, type amen, and Isaac's gonna, he's gonna help me and tell me amen, just to encourage me a little bit this morning. I wanna know that you're with me, okay? You control the attitude, the, the atmosphere with your attitude. See, they didn't react with ugly words. They could, you know what a lot of us would have been doing sitting in that prison? How dare they beat me? How dare they put me? Don't they know God sent us here? Oh, God's gonna get them, right? Hey, don't, 
they better watch their backs because God, God's going to send some fire down. They, we would have been a little upset, indignant. Some of us would have become, thank you, would have become victims. We would have become victims and said, oh, I guess, I guess that just always happens to me. I, I can't do, oh, I, it's, I try to do something right and here I, every time, here I am. And, and we get into that victim mentality. But listen, their attitude wasn't affected by their surroundings. Their attitude wasn't affected by their feelings. I want you to know something, catch this with me. Your feelings have nothing to do with your future. Shoot, I'm gonna say that again. Your feelings got nothing to do with your future. What your feelings do, your feelings tell you how you feel about something that happened or something that's happening, but they don't tell you, how you what your future is. Only God can tell you what your future is. So get your eyes off your feelings. Stop feeling like a victim because victims can't be victors. You've been made a victor. So get your eyes off what's been happening to you, what's been happening around you. Hey, look, I, I didn't ask for a coronavirus. We didn't ask to empty the church out and not have anybody here. Nobody asked for this. Nobody asked to be out of work. Nobody asked to be, you know, going through all the craziness that, but listen, in the middle of everything, you choose your attitude. You set the atmosphere for your life and for your family and for your home. You choose your response. Come on, you still with me? Don't turn me off yet, okay? Come on. Now it's, now it's really easy to walk out of church. And you can find another one, I bet. Don't do it, okay? I got, some, I got something for you, and I feel like the Lord wants you to hear this this morning. And that's the purpose, the reason I, I even just, we changed the flow of worship, because I want you to catch something. Your worship is what sets the atmosphere in your life. Your worship is the thermostat for your life. If you don't like something going on, turn up the thermostat. Crank, crank, get cranked with worship. I don't know if I said that right, but get going, get worshiping, and you'll change the atmosphere. You don't like it, change it. So here's Paul and Silas. Their bodies are broken, they're in pain, they're, they're, but they're worshiping in their pain. The human mind, if you leave it unchecked, will go to some places you don't need to go. You'll get worried. You'll get fearful. You'll get anxious, all this stuff. Paul and Silas had minds just like you. And they could have let their minds go to all kinds of different places. What's gonna happen next? What are they gonna, what's gonna happen? And we start to get fearful. We start to get worried. We start to get anxious. But they didn't do that. They took control of their minds with their worship and their prayer. But I wanna talk about worship this morning. Worship gets your mind in line with his way of thinking. Because what it does, when you begin to worship in the middle of your problem, the middle of your situation, the middle of what you're going through, you're getting your mind off of you. You're getting, you're getting your thoughts off of what you're going through. You're getting your thoughts off of your feelings and you're getting everything, your attention on him. You set the atmosphere. So as they're worshiping in the jail, they're setting the atmosphere in that place. And it says, it makes a really interesting comment. All the prisoners were listening to them. This place is crowded with prisoners who are probably some rough people. I wouldn't want to be around in that place 2,000 years ago in a jail with some criminals. What was that place like? 
You know, you think jail's bad today. That was, they were all on top of each other thrown in this place and Paul and Silas didn't care. They start worshiping even though people are around them thinking they're crazy. But they set the atmosphere. Listen, they set the atmosphere in that jail. You can set the atmosphere right where you are. You might be in your home today. Next, next week, you might be back at work. You set the atmosphere. You might be walking through Lowe's. You can set the atmosphere in that place. Walmart, you can set the atmosphere in Walmart. Praise God. Somebody needs to do it. That place is depressing. Listen, worship isn't a feeling. It's a choice. You don't worship when you feel like it. I don't worship because I feel happy. I feel happy because I worship. I don't worship when everything's right. If I, if I waited till everything's right, I'd never worship God. Because there'll always be something I can look at and say, well, that's not right yet, let's fix that. And then I'll worship. No, I worship and things will be right because he's gonna take care of everything because I'm casting all my cares on him. As I worship, I'm giving him everything. I'm giving him praise. I'm giving him glory in spite of what's going on around me. See, look, we've been talking about abundant life in here. And I believe worship is the key, a key to accessing abundant life. See, the enemy wants to steal. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy. He wants to get the word out of you. He wants to get your peace out of you. He wants to get the joy out of you. But when you choose to worship, it's a faith declaration of, I don't care what's going on around. I'm going to worship God anyway, because I know he, I might've gone through some stuff, but he's got my future in his hands. Let me, let me take a minute. We'll get back to Paul and Silas, but go to Genesis chapter 22. Go ahead. You can, you can turn in your Bibles. Genesis 22. I, I don't hear any. Oh, okay. You're not hearing this. right. But you, you can follow along with me. Okay. Just because you're watching at home doesn't mean you can't, don't have to look at your Bible. I, we'll, we'll find out. Genesis 22. Look at verse 5. Abraham. Now, this is the story of Abraham going to sacrifice his son, Isaac. And he's, the Lord comes to him and says, take your son, your only son who you love, go to the land of Moriah, offer him there as a burnt offering. Abraham got up and he left. The very next day, the very next morning, first thing, he got up, he loaded up his donkey and he left to go kill his boy. He didn't question. He didn't say, but God, you made a promise. He just got up and he went. And look at what he says to his servants in verse five, he said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I are gonna go over there to do what? To worship. And then we'll come back to you. He makes a great faith declaration. He says, we are going to come back to you. Not I'm gonna come back to you. We are gonna come back to you. He knew what he was going to do. He was getting ready to kill that boy. But he made a faith declaration that, because it says in Hebrews, he believed that God could raise the dead and he was gonna receive his son back. But here's what he calls what he is about to do. This moment that he's, he's walking up a mountain to kill his son, what does he call it? Worship. That's the first mention of worship that I've found in the Bible. The first time it talks about worship is with Abraham getting ready to kill his son. And it's called worship. Why is it worship? because it's obedience. 
worship is obedience to God. God made him a promise and said, this is going to be your, your son, the, the son of the promise, the son of the, 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 your descendants will come through this boy. Abraham got up and he went without hesitation. It was worship. Without hesitating, when God speaks, you got to act. It's worship. See, it takes faith to worship God. I want you to catch this this morning. It takes faith to worship God when you're in the middle of a situation that you don't like. It takes faith to worship, but faith without works is what? Faith without works is dead. Faith, faith without action is dead. It's the same with our worship. If your worship is just a song and you're not living a life of obedience, it's dead. Worship is song. Worship can be song. But if all it is is song and it doesn't have corresponding action, it's dead. Well, I'm telling you something today. We got to get to a place where we're worshiping God with every part of our lives, not just singing. We're going to talk about singing because that's important. But we got to get to a place where we're worshiping God with every part of our lives. Put up there Romans 12, 1 and 2. You know this scripture. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, just like Abraham was going to sacrifice his son, Isaac, you sacrifice yourselves, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Go to the next verse. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. And he calls that something. He, well, he says, so that you can discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of, will of God. He calls it offering your bodies as a living sacrifice, your spiritual act of worship. It's worship to God when you offer yourselves and say, God, I'm laying, I lay down my life. I give you my life. I, I'm walking in obedience to your word. See, worship should be a song, but it can't just stop there. It's gotta be more than a song. It's gotta be my life. The song is just the reflection of what's in my heart. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I've wondered, and I, I, I shared this in the letter too, what Paul and Silas might have been singing down in the dungeon, you know? Because a lot of us, let's be honest, what will we be singing in that moment? Beaten, broken, bloody, bru they didn't even clean these guys up, they just threw them in jail. I mean, this would be, they, we wouldn't treat our enemies, Al-Qaeda like this, they, they treated them awful. There was no, there was no um, rights back then. Well, they had some rights, but they didn't recognize who they were dealing with here. But what were they singing down in the dungeon? Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. You know that? Maybe you don't know that one. Nobody knows my sorrow. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen but Jesus. And, and then break out the harmonica, right? No, they weren't. I don't believe they were. Just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away. We're, we're, we're going, Silas. Let's sing it. You know, but they were singing something that all these prisoners were listening to. And it, it did something in that jail, didn't it? We'll get to that story. But I believe what they were singing, they, it was a demonstration of what was in their hearts. And their hearts was faith. See, faith doesn't look at where you've been. It looks where you're going. Yeah, you can, you can type amen. Faith doesn't look at where you've been. It's, it looks at where you're going. Where is God taking you? It doesn't matter what you've been through. Where are you going? So 
their song wasn't a reflection of what they were going. It was a faith declaration. When you sing, when you worship, it's a faith declaration. It's not a whining. It's not complaining. It's not, I'm a victim. I'm just a worm. It's, I'm declaring who God is, the greatness of God in my life. So Abraham's worship was obedience. Worship demands you lay some things down. So you can't have any other gods before him. If, you, if there's something in your life before God, you got to lay it down. You can't worship anything but him. I want you to go real quick, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. See, it takes faith to worship God. You're not looking at your problem when you're worshiping. You're looking at him. 2 Corinthians 4, 18. We look not at the things which are seen. This is in the King James Version, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. When you're looking at the things you can see, all you see are problems. When you're looking at what you can see, all you see is your circumstances. All you can see is, is what you're dealing with, what you're going through. But when you get your eyes off of the scene and get your eyes on the unseen. See, the word temporal here means subject to change. It's changing. Our world is changing every day. We're going through more and more changes every day. Get your eyes off of the world and get your eyes on Jesus, who doesn't change. That's what worship does. Worship stops, it stops looking at what I'm facing and it starts looking at God. Get your eyes on him. So you gotta set, you gotta set the thermostat in your life. You set the thermostat in your life with your worship. Amen. So here's these guys in this prison. And again, I don't, I don't think they're singing some sad songs. I think they're singing something like, death could not hold you. I promised my wife I wouldn't sing this morning. The veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. Come on, somebody. You can sing it in your own head. Um, we're going to sing this song later. The mountains shake before you. The demons run and flee. At the mention of your name, King of Majesty, there's no power in hell, right? Or any who can stand before the power and the presence of the great I am. Amen. Hey, if you start singing some victory songs, something's gonna happen. And I know they were singing some victory songs because every hardened prisoner in that jail was was arrested by the power of God because in just a moment, there's a violent earthquake that shakes the entire thing. Now, we, we were in some, some earthquakes in Puerto Rico or they had earthquakes. We didn't really get to experience it, but they had earthquakes recently when we were in Puerto Rico. And something that they were prepared for, they said so many times when there's an earthquake, the buildings are shifting and the doors get lodged in place and you can't get out. So they give everybody, everybody had whistles, right? Everybody had whistles, all the kids have whistles and they know they're not allowed to blow them unless for an emergency. So the whistles for when, are, are for when you get trapped in the house, you blow the whistle so somebody can come get you because the earthquake has a way of lodging the doors in place. But this earthquake wasn't a natural earthquake, it was a supernatural earthquake. And when this earthquake occurred, it blew the doors off the prison. Every door in that place was, was shaken and flew off its hinges. Every single prisoner in the place was handcuffed hand and foot. 
every single chain flew off their hands and feet. And when the guard came in, he saw all this stuff was all, the doors blew off. He saw chains laying everywhere. It was dark in there. He couldn't see anybody in there. And so he knew if the prisoners escaped, it was his life. He was a dead man. He took his sword, was about to kill himself. And Paul and Silas shout, hey, don't do it. We're all here. How, you're telling me there is an earthquake, the doors get blown off, and all these hardened criminals, some of them are murderers, thieves, all kinds of bad guys in there, and you got all their handcuffs, every one of them's loose and nobody goes anywhere. How does that happen? I'll tell you why. Because when they were worshiping, they changed the atmosphere in that place and they brought heaven down into a jail at midnight with a bunch of hardened criminals sitting there listening to them. When, the, when that stuff breaks loose, these guys, some of them might've been on death row, but they're too afraid to get up and leave because there's angels surrounding that place because the presence of God came into that room because they shifted the atmosphere in the jail to a place of a, of a, of a jail to a place of heaven invading, an invasion of heaven. Angels all around, nobody wanted to leave. They were too scared. If I leave, the, I'm, you know, the angel's gonna get me. They didn't want to get up. I want to tell you something. You are responsible for your atmosphere. Don't you complain. Oh God, look what I'm going through. No, no, no. You get to worshiping. Get your eyes off of you. Get your eyes on him. You bring heaven to earth when you begin to worship. I saw this happen. We were in Dominican Republic uh, many years ago and uh, we walked into a school and the, it, was a, it was a big school and the principal said, hey, he came up to us very apologetic. He said, I'm so sorry you're here. Our team had come to minister to the, to the kids at the school. He said, I'm really sorry you're here. I thought, oh, gee, that's nice. Thank you. And he said, no, look, he said, you're at the, you're at the worst school in the worst district in all of the, all the uh, country. He said, these students aren't going to listen to you. There's a, there was a thousand of them that came out. And they were standing across a field at the school, crowded in place. And he was right. They didn't want to listen. He said, look, these are hard kids. They're not going to live high school. They're not going to listen. You know how high schoolers are. And they, these kids were rough. They didn't want to listen. I got up. I had the privilege of getting up and introducing the team. And not one person listened to me. I thought, this is going to go terrific, you know. And everybody's having their own conversations. They're on their phones. They're playing around, doing all kinds of stuff. I said, I don't know. So I looked at the team. I said, you guys, come on, because they were going to do some dramas and they do dramas to worship music. And so they came out and they began to do the first drama, whatever it was, but it was a, it was a Christian song, Christian, you know, Christian music, Christian in Spanish. And they came up and began to do this. And as they did it, the atmosphere shifted at that school. I want to tell you, it was supernatural because they, these guys did a nice job with the dramas, but it wasn't that good where a thousand kids will pay attention. Um, but the atmosphere shifted as they began to play that worship music across the speakers and every student, I could just, you could just suddenly see a change in their face and they were watching. And as we began to speak to them afterward, after the music and everything, you could hear a pin drop. They were listening, hanging on to every word. And as we gave an altar call that day, every single, nearly every single student raised their hands for salvation. That's not, that's not because of us. It's because the power of God came into that place and changed the atmosphere. You change the atmosphere. You don't like it, change it. Amen. Go to Exodus chapter 17 for a minute. Don't, don't leave yet. I got something good to say. Okay. 
I can't, I can't tell if you're getting up and walking out or not. So I won't be offended if you do, but I'd like you to listen because I got something I feel like the Lord wants you to hear this morning. Exodus chapter 7, verse 16. It says, tell him. This is, this is now God talking to Moses saying, I want you to tell Pharaoh something. He says, tell him, Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to tell you, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. Listen, I want you to catch something. Why did God want his people to go free? So they could, be, they could worship him. He wanted him, he wanted to take a nation of slaves and turn them into kings and priests. But the only way he was gonna do that was by getting them to begin to worship him because worship transforms you. Worship takes you and, and changes you. See, listen, you become like, I've heard people say this, you become like what you worship. And I think that's true. You become like the one you worship. You start to think like him. You start to speak like him. You start to act like him. God wants to take you and transform you, but it only happens as you begin to worship. Come on, type amen for me. But for, for Israel to get out of the slave mentality, they would have to be transformed. And God wanted them, the transformation to happen as they began to worship because worship connects you to him. Worship connects you to him. Worship sets you free. It breaks the chains of bondage, fear, depression. Those things can't stay in the presence of God. Worship sets you free. See, listen, we've got we've to, in these next 30 days, this is what I want you to hear in these next 30 days. I want to challenge you. Make your home a place of worship. Make your home a house of worship, a house of prayer. Get the worship music playing. If you can stand it 24-7, if you can sleep while it's on, set the atmosphere, change the atmosphere in your home. Because I'll, I wanna tell you, maybe, maybe there's times where in, in your family, in your home, where there's, there's arguments or, or something's happening. You can't, you can't stand to argue anymore or, or fight with anybody when you start hearing, and your praise will ever be on my lips. And you're like, but listen, you gotta do, you didn't do, and, and, you, and you try to fight, and you're like, your praise will ever be, and then, no, you gotta do, and you, don't, you won't even wanna fight with anybody because you're worshiping, because the atmosphere has changed in your home. You're, you're gonna not be able to, to have difficulties and problems because the Spirit of God is just coming into your home, just creating an atmosphere in your family of worship, an atmosphere of praise, an atmosphere of faith. I wanna tell you, just begin to create that atmosphere. You set the atmosphere and you choose to, to do that when you worship. In the middle of what you're going through, the best thing you can do is begin to worship. When you get your your spirit, your soul, and body in a place of submission to him. It's worship. Maybe you're going through something and you feel like Paul inside. Look, if Paul, if anybody ever had a reason to complain, it was Paul. Paul went through some stuff. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you can throw that up on the screen. Verse 23, he kind of goes through a list of some of the things he went through. He says, are they servants of Christ? I'm, I'm more, he said, I've had more labors, more imprisonments, far worse beatings, near death many times, keep going, 
Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one because they thought 40 would kill you, so they only gave you 39. He got that five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. This was obviously one of them. Once I was stoned, they left him for dead because they thought he was dead. They, they thought they killed him, but he got up and kept preaching. Three times I was shipwrecked. We read one of the times in the book of Acts. It wasn't a nice experience. I've spent a night and a day in the depths of the sea. On, on frequent journeys, I face dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from the Gentiles. You get the idea. This guy had reason to become a victim, but he didn't let his situation dictate how he was going to act. He didn't let his, what he went through change him. He changed the atmosphere. See, you gotta get to a place where you don't let that stuff come out of your mouth. You choose to worship instead because our worship connects us to his power. Worship connects you to the power of God. You all know the scripture, 2 Chronicles 20. You know this, this story, an army had come out against Judah. The king, this Jehoshaphat was a godly king. He asked the Lord to help him. And this is what God says. He says to him, don't be afraid. The battle is not yours, it's God's. You don't have to fight this battle. Just position yourself, verse 17, position yourself, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The battle was left up to the Lord. So what does the king do? See, listen, when the king sought the Lord's help, he gave the Lord permission to act. But if the king had just been a victim, oh God, why does this keep happening to me? I guess they're just gonna come take all our stuff. I guess this is just, Lord, this, this is so terrible. Why do you keep letting this stuff happen? You get that victim mentality. You're not giving the Lord any place to move. You're not giving the Lord room to work in your life. Let him work. He wants to do it. Stop, stop complaining. Stop becoming a victim and start worshiping him. So here's what the king does. He appoints some to praise, some to worship. They begin their shouts of praise, and it says, it says the Lord, the moment they begin to worship, the Lord sets an ambush. The Lord set the ambush as they worshiped. When they began to worship, it just released the presence of God over that situation. And the Lord took over. And for three days, it says they were gathering the, the what is it, the, I don't know, the plunder. Thank you. They were gathering plunder for three days. Their battle, their greatest battle turned into be the, the greatest victory. In fact, their battle became their supply. They're, they were probably living off the plunder for years. They took swords, they took helmets, they took food, they took animals, they took anything that they had. I imagine there was a lot. For, it took three days for everybody to gather it their battle turned out to be their supply. Listen, you might be going through a battle, but I feel like the Lord's saying in this season, it's gonna become your supply. Your battle is becoming your supply. He's, because here's what's happening. You're shifting your mentality from trusting in the world to trusting in God. As you begin to put your trust in God, he's gonna to begin to supply all of your needs and you're gonna to get to a place where you never trust in this world again. You only trust in the Lord your God. But it's, listen, you gotta set your attitude. You gotta set your thermostat to a place of worship. And I believe over these next 30 days, as you begin to do that, you begin to set that atmosphere and let worship come out of you. God's gonna to begin to bless you. 
You're gonna begin to see blessing in your family, blessing in your children, blessing in everything you touch. You're just gonna have, you're gonna have a worship mentality. And when something comes against you, it's not gonna be able to get through because you're in the, you're in the worship bubble. Come on. So you have access to everything the Lord's provided. You got access to the power of God in your life. You got access to abundant life. You got access to everything that he has provided for you. But you've got to choose. You've got to choose how you're going to respond. Let me, let me finish that story in the book of Acts chapter 16, and then the worship team is going to come and lead us in a little more worship this morning. Because I want this to be not just a, something we hear and we say, that was nice. I want us to do it. And we're going to start this morning by making your home a place of worship right where you are. So as there, verse 26, the violent earthquake shook the foundations of the jail after they were praying and singing hymns. The jail was shaken. Immediately the doors opened and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up. He saw the doors of the prison were open. He drew his sword, was gonna kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself, all of us are here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he escorted them out and said, sirs, what do I have to do to be saved? Man, isn't that powerful? Not only did their, their attitudes, their prayer, their worship change the atmosphere in the jail, it saved an entire family. It set this guy free. He was in that atmosphere. He was hearing them prayer, the prayer. He was hearing the worship. He, he knew something was different. He said, I want whatever you guys got. And later, this, this, this area of Philippi becomes one of, the, one of the keys, the center of the gospel in, in Macedonia. And we have the letter in our Bibles, Philippians based on what, ha what Paul did there in that church. And I, I want to encourage you this morning, over these next 30 days, choose your response. Choose your response for what you're going through. Listen, this isn't, this isn't we're, we don't have a defeat mentality. We don't have a victim mentality because we are, we are victors. And I believe, and I said this on Wednesday, I believe this whole thing is going to fizzle out quickly very quickly and you're going to be I believe and I'm just going to I'm just going to speak it and declare it we are going to we are going to be the world anyway will be surprised and shocked when this thing turns over so quickly and life gets back to normal um, but in the meantime I feel like what we need to do and I've been saying this we need to learn to trust God for our provision trust God for our supply be totally dependent on him and not on this world and God is gonna provide for you supernaturally. You're gonna see the supernatural provision, the hand of God in your life, and you're gonna be blessed with, you're gonna have an abundance in a time when everybody else is in famine. You're gonna have a surplus when everybody else is scratching to get by and can't find enough toilet paper. You're gonna have, you have an abundance, everything you need. There's gonna be supernatural multiplication happening in your life. Things, things that you have that shouldn't be lasting are going to be lasting, like the, like the widow whose, whose food didn't run out the entire time of the famine because she took care of the prophet. She sowed her last meal, and God uh, 
supernaturally gave her provision so her food didn't run out. You're going to see that kind of stuff happening in this day, in this hour. God's going to provide for you. You're going to have things in your house that just won't, you won't be able to run them out because God's going to provide for you. But I feel like we need to get to a place where we're not thinking like victims and we're not thinking like we're defeated. We're not thinking like we're in fear and we're in worry and we're in anxiety. We're thinking like victors. And the way we do that is through our worship. So over these next however many days it is, but, but specifically I want you to commit 30 days and say, Lord, I'm gonna make my house a house of worship. And you just begin to praise, you begin to worship, and you're gonna see God move in supernatural ways in your life. Don't play the, you, you play some good worship music now. Don't play any of this whiny stuff. Don't play anything that sounds like it's being victims. You play some victor music. You play some worship music that lifts up the name of Jesus like, like I exalt thee. You know, when, we, when you exalt him, you're just saying, Lord, I exalt your name. I'm not focused on anything around. I'm focused on you. I'm exalting the name of Jesus. And so I want you, you're going to see some things in your life. You're going to see the power of God, the hand of God moving in your life in powerful ways. And so I want to bless you this morning. I want you to worship with us um, for the next few moments. And then we'll come back together and close this out. But I want you to take this time right now and just make your home a place of worship. You just right now invite the Spirit of God into your home and say, Holy Spirit, come and have your way in me. Come have your way in my family. Come have your way in my life. I give you everything. And just begin to worship Him right now for these next few minutes. Lift up the name of Jesus yes. in every home, in every every place where this is playing this morning. We lift up the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee must bow and tongue confess that he's Lord. We thank you, Lord, that the name that's above every name is has been given to us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for what has been given to us, what's been done for us. We choose to fix our attention on you. We get our eyes off of our circumstances and we get our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I thank you, Lord, that we are victorious today because you're victorious. Lord, as we go into Easter next Sunday, we thank you, Lord. We don't look at it from a place of defeat. Lord, Good Friday was not a, a, a place of defeat. It was a place of victory. The cross is victory. It was the shame of the world, but the glory of God. We thank you, Lord, that we are victorious. We lift up the name of Jesus in this place. I encourage you today, lift up the name of Jesus in your home over these next 30 days. Make your home a house of worship, a house of prayer. God bless you today. Let me just say a couple quick things. I want to say thank you to our worship team. Uh, for being here this morning and uh, and for just just taking us into that place of worship. And we just thank you, thank them for that and thank you for being a part of it and participating in your home. Um, we have a couple things coming up. It's weird, it feels weird to do announcements. It's not really, uh, you know, an event so much as it is just something for you to participate in. We've got some worship times this week. Um, we're gonna be having Tuesday morning and Thursday morning worships uh, worship times at nine o'clock or nine thirty somewhere in there, 
and we'll be beginning. And then on Wednesday nights at 6.30, we're gonna continue a time of prayer and worship. We just invite you to um, join with us in doing that. This week, as I mentioned, is Easter week. This Friday is Good Friday. We're gonna have a special Good Friday communion that we want to invite you to be a part of. We'll be um, broadcasting that live uh, Friday around seven o'clock. I plan to do that Friday at seven o'clock. So we'd love to have you join in. Just get some, find some juice. If you can get some grape juice, you can get to the store and get some grape juice or get some, some other kind of juice. Um, whatever you got and get some bread we're going to have communion together and celebrate the cross and celebrate what Jesus has done next week is our Easter Sunday we're just going to just have a um, just a big time worshiping God in here and in your home too so thank you for being a part of that with us and um, just love for you to just engage with us a little bit share share some of these things that we're going to be putting out with some other people that's your evangelism this week okay share something on on Facebook, online, somewhere. And uh, we bless you guys. Make your home a house of worship. Thank you so much.